a modern take on an old classic. Welcome to Modern Roots, the podcast to learn and explore old skills that have been lost over time to live a more natural and self-sufficient life. I'm your host, Alexis. Welcome. I'm happy you're here. Welcome. I am super pumped you're here. I hope you are excited to start listening to this episode as I am very excited to be sharing all about it. I have been asked quite often how I started making kombucha and how I got into making fermented foods. So I wanted to get into it today and kind of get into why it's so beneficial as well and how easy it is to incorporate it into your life. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, let me know what you think and on on with the show. So there's tons of different positive benefits that you can incorporate just by having fermented foods in your life. I honestly think that they should be adding it to the food chart. <laughs> That's how important I think it is. Fermented foods actually contain a ton of different bacteria and yeast inside of them that can be detrimental to your gut flora, which is just your overall gut health. Fermented foods improve your immune system because of all the probiotics from those microorganisms that are flourishing in that environment help to make a flourishing positive environment within your system as well. It lowers bad cholesterol, which in turn can help alleviate or eliminate diseases that are caused by high cholesterol. Fermented foods also combat free radicals, which can in turn cause different things, different diseases, and it reduces body inflammation, which is always a positive because the amount of negative things that are caused simply by having an inflamed body are crazy. Fermented foods are also a great source of vitamins, specifically vitamin B and K2. So so many different benefits just by incorporating something that I personally think is delicious and is also incredibly easy and inexpensive to make at home. So if you're somebody that is looking to improve their skills or expand their skills into a new realm and and improve your overall health, then fermented foods is a really fantastic place to start. When I first started getting into this kind of natural living, I really wanted to focus, of course, on something that was really inexpensive and also something really easy that I could get my feet wet. The idea of jumping into things like sourdough, which is also a fermented food, but we'll get into that in another episode, seemed so incredibly intimidating to me and something that felt really out of my, you know, basket of tools that I was willing to jump into. So kombucha felt really safe. I watched tons of different videos on it and it really did feel very simple and almost foolproof. So I was like, yes, okay, this is a great place to start. I love kombucha. And if you are a kombucha lover as well, then you know it is so expensive. Even if you find it at Costco, which is a pretty staple item at Costco now, it is so expensive. It's like 20 or $25 for a box of like eight cans or something, which is actually much cheaper than if you go to the store and you pay between 5 and $7 per can or per bottle. So the idea of making my own kombucha and not spending a small fortune every week at the grocery store buying kombucha seemed 
awesome to me. And frankly, I was correct because once you get established with your items that you need to create kombucha, it becomes cents on the dollar. The most important part or the hardest part that I found from making kombucha has been just trying to find flavors that you enjoy and the impatient person in me having to wait to have a finished batch of kombucha. So how do you even get started in this? Well, let me tell you, good old Amazon has got your back. (laughs) This is where I got all of my stuff and all my equipment. I didn't know anybody that made kombucha at the time when I started, so I wasn't able to get my SCOBY from anybody who I knew. But now that I have been making kombucha, people around me have access to me to be able to get a SCOBY if you wanted to. SCOBY is your yeast, your bacteria kind of booger looking thing. It looks way more disgusting than it is. It is what is going to create that fermentation process in your black tea to create kombucha. So a SCOBY can just literally be purchased on Amazon. They're between $8 and $14. Make sure that you look at the reviews. Like anything on Amazon, some some distributors are a little bit more reputable than others. So make sure you just look at those reviews to make sure that SCOBYs are coming healthy and ready for use. So once you get your SCOBY, after that, it's pretty easy. You just get your black tea. You steep a really strong batch of pat of black tea. You add your sugar, which acts as the food source to the microbacteria that is in your SCOBY, and your SCOBY eats the sugar. So by the time your kombucha is ready to go and it's gone through that first fermentation stage, all of that sugar is essentially eliminated because, again, the bacteria have been feeding off of that as it's fermenting your black tea. Once you've gone through that first fermentation stage, which takes anywhere from seven to 10 days, you're gonna check the pH, which it should sit between 2.5 and 3.5 pH. You can get awesome little pH um, detectors off of Amazon. Again, super inexpensive. I personally recommend getting the electronic one. It's just so much easier to read. It just gives you a straight digital reading so that you know exactly where you're sitting. I find that the strips are a little bit inaccurate just because, you know, if you look at the color and see a slightly different color than I see, then you're going to have a different interpretation on where the pH is sitting. So I just personally like having something more digital so that it makes my life much easier and there's no questioning what it is. Once you've hit that range, you can stop the ferment, the first fermentation stage, which would be removing your SCOBY from that bundle. And then you're going to put that away for later use. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Once you kind of get that going, you're going to go into your second fermentation stage. So you're going to stir up that big batch. You're going to put it into your bottles with your chosen taste. If you want to add fruit, if you want to add juice, if you want to add honey, if you want to have a combination of herbs, and if you want to add a combination of all of those things I just listed, you can do that. The possibilities are absolutely endless when it comes to flavors. Just go based off of what you enjoy and then kind of get adventurous. The nice thing about taking your one first batch of fermented 
kombucha is that you can separate it into those smaller jars going into your second fermentation and you can be a lot more experimentative with your smaller jars because then you can just try a different flavor in every jar if you really wanted to and find out what you like instead of on your first batch fermentation, you do not add any flavor whatsoever to your black tea. It's only the sugar to act as that food source. You do not add anything else because that would ruin the whole batch and it would ruin your SCOBY. So please don't do that. Obviously, I'm going pretty brief on this. So I highly recommend looking at more in-depth YouTube videos or like I said, reach out to me and ask any questions that I didn't cover in this section so that you can kind of expand your horizons, get as much information as you require to get started for the first time. So once you kind of get that, all your flavoring in into your jars, you're going to leave that onto the table or a counter, whatever, for a couple of days, anywhere from two to three days, I find is the best. And that's going to be your second fermentation. And that's when all that carbonation is going to happen. So that fizzy deliciousness that you love about kombucha that's when that happens. So make sure though, when you are doing this, you are also taking time to burp your bottles. Now, this is something that I did not do the first time that I made kombucha. And let me just tell you, it was a colossal disaster. So the first time I ever made kombucha, like everything I do, I just kind of jump in with two feet. I don't really do as much research as maybe I should. I tend to do more research once I failed than before I start. I know it doesn't make any sense, but it's the way I do things. And every time I tell myself I'm not going to do it again, I always do it. So I'm just not even going to say it. So when I made my first batch, I added all this delicious puree to the bottom and I went in for my second fermentation and I did not burp my bottles. I left them sit on the counter for three days and let them just do their magic. Well, when I went to go open my first bottle, when I tell you, I, it exploded. Like it actually exploded like a miniature bomb. It hit me in the face so hard. It was in my eyes. I could not see anything and it covered every single part of that kitchen. I was living with my in-laws at the time. And when I tell you that the entire kitchen was covered, I am not kidding. We found kombucha splatter on the ceiling for months after this happened. It was horrible. It was embarrassing. So I really don't think that I actually shared the level of destruction that it caused not only to the kitchen, but also to my face. I honestly am lucky I didn't actually get hurt. I was lucky enough just to get away with some eyeballs full of kombucha and a little bit of a headache from the impact at which it hit me in the face. But other than that, I managed to get away scot-free. So of course, after this happened, I was a little bit terrified to open the remainder of my bottles, but I was making sure that I took them outside for any further explosions. Every single one of the bottles, um, you guys, exploded. So thank God I put did the rest of them outside because we had a massive mountain of snow that had been accumulated from clearing off the driveways at this time. And that entire thing was covered in different colors from all my different flavors literally exploding across this 
snow mountain. <laughs> it was horrible and terrifying. My sister-in-law watched this whole thing happen and just like hysterically laughed the whole time because she didn't see it happen to me. But I told her to sit in the window and just watch these things go off and picture that force hitting me in the face. And so of course it was hilarious to watch, I'm sure, but it was not hilarious that it happened to me. So after I did that first batch, like I said, I almost had no kombucha left at the end of it. I'd waited those eight whole days for this kombucha batch to be ready to go and all of them exploded and I had no kombucha left. So make sure that when you are doing your second fermentation that you are taking time every single day to let out some of the compressed air that is accumulating inside your bottles. I recommend very slowly opening the top. Do not just pop them off. Make sure that you are taking the time to slowly release the air just like a pressurized instant pot. You want to do it slowly and give it time and then close it back up, put it back on the counter. Once you kind of reach that level of carbonation that you enjoy too, if that's only a day in, then awesome. Like if you don't like it super bubbly, then maybe you're only sitting it on the counter for 24 hours. But like I said, if you're doing more than that, make sure that you're taking time to release some of that air so that you're not getting a small handheld explosive sitting on your counter. I also want to take a second to let you guys know everything that I use to create my kombucha that I still am using every day right now is listed in my Amazon storefront. I will have that listed on my Instagram and I will also list that. I think I can add it to the comments down below or to the description down below. So just check there. And if it's not there, go check out my Instagram. It's Alexis K. Bertram on Instagram and I will be sure to have it listed for you there. And you can go and buy everything that you need to start your kombucha batch. For me, I think it costs around... It was under $50 for sure. So really inexpensive to get started. And like I said, it ends up being cents on the dollar when you kind of accumulate more and more bottles. The more you make it, obviously, the cheaper each bottle becomes. So that's awesome. I also highly recommend using containers, bottles, glass bottles that you have around your house and re-kind of purposing them. So if you already have like a nice bottle um, that has a like a sealable lid, then that's a really great option. The dollar store also has a lot of those pop bottles, the pop-up tops. Those are a really great option as well. I purchased mine off Amazon because I wanted a slightly bigger container than what the dollar store had, but I also use the ones that I had from the dollar store from prior, and I find those are a really great size for kids. So just really depending on the size and quality or whatever that you want. You can kind of diversify where you get your stuff. But like I said, I got all of my stuff on Amazon when I first got started and it was really quite inexpensive to get started and start experimenting. And still to this day, I'm using everything that I had now. So it all is long-term use even better. Okay, now I'm going to briefly talk a little bit to you guys about kimchi, sauerkraut, any of those kind of fermented food vegetable items. Like I said, I've never made sauerkraut, so I'm not going to be talking about necessarily the steps on creating these items because I do find it 
really is specific to different cultures, different ways, different recipes. Kimchi can be made a thousand different ways, both vegan, non-vegan, traditional, non-traditional. There are so many options for both sauerkraut and kimchi really. So it really is based on your preference and what you kind of want to put into it. But the fermentation process is pretty similar no matter what you're making. There's always going to be a process of air circulating through the item, allowing that fermentation to occur and giving those yeast, those bacteria, time to be able to accumulate. Usually during that time, that's creating heat and it's, you know, that's what's helping that fermentation process. So almost all fermentations go through that kind of uh, step-by-step where you're leaving it on the counter, you're letting that air circulate to it. It's creating that heat offset. It's having all those microbacteria growing and thriving in that space to create that fermented item. So it really is such a unique process. It's, I find, so delicious. And as I mentioned prior, pretty inexpensive to get going kimchi I made for the very first time a couple of months ago. I made such a gigantic batch that it's still lasting me to today. I haven't been eating as much kimchi as I normally do, but I find that I really enjoy kimchi more through the winter than I do in the summer anyways. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a mental thing, but for me, like I said, it's still lasting me, so I haven't quite gotten around to making a second batch. I definitely adjusted the recipe to what I had available to me when I made mine. So it wasn't the same kind of flavor that I would have hoped for. But like I said, I adjusted the recipe. So what would I expect? It's definitely something I'm still playing around with and I'm very excited to continue learning it. And I will definitely share with you guys as I continue to grow that skill base. Sauerkraut, again, is one of those things that I haven't had an opportunity to try, but I'm very excited to learn that new skill. I also highly recommend if you don't have any kind of resource to look into some of these items that I have also linked that in my Amazon store for you guys. It's an awesome fermentation book that I found on Amazon. I love it. And as I mentioned before, with that diversity, that it really is based on preference, what you like, what you don't like. This fermentation book kind of gives you a huge selection of different ways that you can use the basics of sauerkraut, the basics of kimchi, and kind of formulate it to create recipes that are for you based on your tastes and your enjoyment. So I definitely highly recommend that book for anybody who's looking to start this whole process and this journey as well. It really is such a fun, rewarding thing that you can do. It's really cool to see it kind of work, especially that second fermentation process with kombucha to really see those bubbles start forming and really to see that it's like working and it's doing what it's supposed to is really, I find it quite a rewarding thing, honestly. And it's great for kids too. I didn't mention this above, but kombucha I find is such a fantastic option. If you have kids that really like pop and juice and those kind of things, but you obviously are trying to limit those things because of high sugar, not good for them, etc. Kombucha can be a really fantastic alternative that has that fizzy, delicious feel that I think kids crave and a fantastic flavor while also having a ton of benefits from the probiotics and all those other benefits from any fruit purees that you might be using there as well. So definitely 
definitely a fantastic skill to have in your back pocket to build off of and, you know, just something that your whole family can enjoy. And I don't know, there's, there's, I could go on and on clearly. I also want to say too that I've mentioned a couple of times, I am fully still on this learning path and I'm constantly trying to grow and improve my skills in all these different areas. So there's something that I'm enjoying and I'm really loving the fact that it is really easy to learn, but I also am constantly trying to learn and get better at all of these different things. So please share with me if you have a better way or if you have a specific flavor that you love that I need to try, please tell me. Share on my Instagram. Let me know. I will be sure to share all of your guys's recommendations, anything that you guys find work better. And like I said, any recipes that you really love that other people need to give a go. I would love to hear. I would love to know. I am always learning. I'm always trying. And I certainly have not perfected any of these things. So I'm always ears for people who have been doing this for longer than me. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this interesting. If not, I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be a lot of this kind of crap. I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Let me know what you think. And if you do give kombucha or kimchi or any of these fermented things a try, please let me know. I would love to know how it goes for you. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to help with the information that I have and give any tips that I have kind of figured out as I've gone along. So with that, I hope you all have such an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you guys on the next episode on Becoming Alexis. Take care. So what's today's episode about? Well, today's kind of a fun one because we're going to be talking about fermentation, fermented food, drinks, etc. I get asked about this quite frequently every time I post about a new batch of kombucha that I've made or kimchi, etc. Um, so I wanted to kind of answer some of those questions and also talk about why you should be incorporating more fermented foods into your life. It's honestly such an easy thing to be able to make and it has so many positive benefits to your body that it's definitely something that you should think about having on a day-to-day basis. Some really easy things that you probably know that are fermented foods are things like sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, kombucha, and yogurt. Yogurt, obviously, we're not going to really get into because you can buy that pretty easily and effectively at the store. Um, I mean, really, you could buy any of these things, but I really don't know anything about making your own yogurt. So we're going to not talk about that one today. But the things I wanted to focus on today specifically are the ones that I have personally made, which are kimchi and kombucha, and they become a pretty regular staple in our household. Oh my goodness. Honestly, I'm so grateful that I have a smart husband because without him, there would be no podcast. And that's the truth. (laughs) I have literally been fighting with the system since I got it set up. I had such a good system before we moved and everything was so cohesive and working so great together. And then we moved into this new house and this whole new setup. I am so confused. I have no idea what I'm doing. 
So every time something stops working or my system isn't cooperating with me, I literally don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to Google to be able to fix it. So thank God for my wonderful husband who continuously gets my angry text messages about things not working and either calls me to help me fix it or comes home a bit early so he can help me fix it. So here we are finally sitting down. Um, I'm super grateful. Um, I'm not going to lie. Trying to get back into a rhythm of like coordinating my schedule to make sure I'm making time for things like this that are exciting and important to me has been a struggle. Not because I don't want to do it. I very much do. But mom life, you know what I'm talking about? So for example, we have been struggling. If you've been following me for a while, we've been struggling with Kit, my middle boy, sleeping for quite some time. Um, over this last year. It was super bad while we were living with my in-laws and then it got better when we moved into our new house. Almost instantaneously, he went from not sleeping at all, waking up like, I'm not even kidding you, like six plus times a night to almost never waking up, maybe once a night. And then for a long stretch there for like a couple of months, he wasn't waking up at all, which was magical. Um, but unfortunately... We are back to what feels like square one again, and he is waking up multiple times a night. Not as many as he used to, but still like more than two or three times a night. Um, so it's been quite a challenge trying to manage my exhaustion with um, my exhaustion from just being really low in iron as well, um, which I discovered recently. I am like on a scale between 20 and 300. I'm in an eight. <laughs> So I'm also coping with really low iron, which I'm trying to get under control. Um, so between those two things, I'm, I'm really struggling to just do the things that make me feel good and make me feel fulfilled. So even just things like working out and stuff have really become a back burner and I'm trying to get that all situated. So thank you for your patience as I get these uh, podcasts out because I am, like I said, very excited about them. It's just been a bit of an adjustment trying to get myself organized. <laughs> 